Hey there, it's me, your money, and welcome to Tandia Talks Money. They say money talks, and it is true, I do. And I also like to work hard. They say it builds character, but it also builds TFSAs and RRSPs, which is why every week Tandia will share new ideas, tips, and wisdom from Tandia's finest to help you get to where you want to go. You know, with a little help from me, of course. Like, who else? Welcome to today's episode. We are continuing our trend of thinking, planning for the future this month. Last week, we chatted about all things to do with retirement planning. If you haven't listened yet, go back and catch up. But here is something I wish I knew more about before my 30s. And we touched on it briefly last week. We are getting good, you know, at planning for the now and the near future. But what about the afterlife? Now stick with me here. I'm not talking about you coming back and haunting someone, but rather what we're going to focus on today is estate planning, what it means, what you need to do, etc. Most people have little personal experience with estate planning and a little idea of what it involves. Essentially, estate planning is anything you do in preparation for your possible incapacitation or eventual death. That's super sunshine for you on your Monday morning, but rather an estate plan is simply a collection of legal tools you can easily put together through services like a trust and a will. They allow you to decide what you want to happen after you die or whether you lose the ability to communicate or make choices on your own. Far, far too many of us put off creating an estate plan until we're older. But every adult should have one. I know I also mentioned that, you know, I'm closer to 40 than 30. So I think it's time to be an adult. Because to die without one puts your surviving family through far more work, headaches, and legal steps than necessary. You owe it to your loved ones to leave behind a clearer, easier legal process if you die prematurely. Fortunately, this process doesn't need to take that long. So we are so thrilled to welcome a guest on today's show to chat about not estate planning, but rather estate doing. Welcome Doug Carroll from Aviso Wealth, one of Tandia's partners. Doug comes to us with a wealth of knowledge. Doug is a tax and estate specialist for Aviso Wealth, which is a wealth management partner to credit unions across Canada. He previously ran an estate planning law practice and was advanced case consultant with a life insurer and mutual fund provider. Doug also holds a business degree and a master's of law specializing in tax and is qualified as a certified financial planner and trust and estate practitioner. He's been doing this for 25 plus years, now supporting our financial advisors from written articles to individual case consultations and of course, being here with us today. And he's here. He's going to take us through the process and planning of estate. He will give us some people perspective. We will touch on why we procrastinate this task. And hopefully by the end, we will get you into estate doing and help you with this process. So thank you so much for being here, Doug. And welcome to Tandia Talks Money. All right. Thanks, Carla. (laughs) Appreciate it. So I think maybe what we should start on as like a first touch point is maybe you can just kind of take us through like what makes up my estate. So when somebody's thinking of estate planning, but rather estate doing what, what, what is that? Explain it, you know, Cole's notes version, maybe. (laughs) 
Okay, Cole's Notes version. I, I'm actually going to expand on the definition that you gave there about estate planning, which is in a formal way, your estate is the property that you own at the point of your death that then forms your estate after your death and is distributed to the people who you want it to be distributed to. Now, if you don't have a will, as you mentioned, then the rules of intestacy apply and the provincial rules say who's going to get it. It's not as if it goes to somebody completely disconnected from you, but you don't have control over who's going to get it, when they're going to get it, that type of thing. So estate planning in that formal way is making sure that your property is going to go to the people who you care about in the timing that you want and with whatever strings attached might be necessary to make sure that they don't lose it and that you can protect them if they have creditor problems or something of that nature. So there's a a, a formalistic definition of estate planning. I would I would expand on your definition just in this way to say I look at estate planning back when I ran law practice as as even broader about taking care of yourself and you mentioned about the powers of attorney that can be involved taking care of yourself now and in the future and taking care of the people around you now in the future and when you no longer are around unfortunately which is that afterlife i like your little uh, rundown on that by the way <laughs> so it, it's a it's a broad definition that i use when i talk about it so people first and then the things you have that then reinforce and support those people who you care about. I think that's a great way of looking at it because I think and my own perspective personally is, you know, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Nobody wants to like think of, you know, like, well, when I die, this and this and this needs to happen. But it is one of those key points in your financial picture that you need to kind of make sure that you you are taking and I love your way of saying like people first and then your analogy point after that it's the assets after that right so how do we begin this process where do we start because I know I think again for a lot of people maybe in my age bracket the 30s I am approaching 40 soon. Um, but even earlier than that, I know my mom has always been on me like, you need a will, you need a will the minute I like had my children, uh, which yes, like a hundred percent, because again, you want to be the one in control of what happens to um, the people in your life or what happens to you as a person, if you are unable to make these decisions and making sure that, you know, it is exactly what you want versus, you know, having it decided for you. So maybe you can give us some points of like, you know, where do, where does one even begin? How do you begin the emotional side of it? How do you begin like the documents? Like you give us your your 25 plus years worth of experience and tell us kind of what what we need to do when it comes to estate planning. Yeah, it, I, I do appreciate that people get uh, un, <laughs> uncomfortable because it does require you to think about what would happen if you're not around? What would happen if you're not capable of taking care of yourself because you have a, a mental incapacity, some kind of an event that makes it difficult for you to take care of yourself even? It, it's not pleasant to to dwell on that, but you don't have to dwell on it if you do start with thinking about who you have as important people around you, people who depend upon you, your own children, obviously, uh, your uh, your other half, 
your spouse who depends on you, you depend on each other in a significant way. And, and then from there, look at what kind of property that you have presently and how that property takes care of you right now. And when I say property, quite often people uh, equate the, the word property with real estate. And, and certainly that, that's one of, the, of the, uh, the types of property is real estate. The other type of property is what's called personal property, just to put on my lawyer hat here. Uh, the <laughs> distinction between things that are, are on the ground or are, uh, are the things that you live in, as in real estate, but then movable types of things, which includes financial resources. That's personal property. So I'm talking about property in the broadest sense, the things that you have that you use to take care of yourself and that you would like to have others, those who you care about, carry on when you're not around. So it, it, it's, it truly is starting with those people and who they are, how they have needs, and what resources you have to take care of them. And as much as, again, I'll acknowledge that that uh, it, it's a little bit squeamish for people to think about this, I, I used to go and see people when I was running law practice, I would see people in their homes when I got my law practice going. And, and I'd have great conversations. I, I drank a lot of tea, I tended to be elderly people. I'd see them in the evenings. <laughs> I drank a lot of tea and cookies uh, sitting in the, in the kitchen with these people. And, and the stories of, of the important people around them and their relationships, that's what you're looking at is, is how do you preserve that, the, the people who are around you, and make sure that what you have built up over the course of your lifetime is available to continue to care for them or to pass on to them because not all about dollars it is the property that you have that you'll pass on and a lot of it may very well be emotionally valuable but not have economic value so it um if you look at it from that perspective then it can be a very positive exercise and certainly i found that when i was uh, spending my time sitting in those kitchens that we had great conversations about how mm. these people were going to carry things on for those people they care about I think that's a great point because I do think, especially um, like the whole concept of these podcasts and our platform is making money relatable, making financial concepts relatable. And your whole financial picture sometimes can be very daunting. So when we look at this aspect of it, of estate planning, of making sure that we are taking care of our personal property um, and preserving it is, it is overwhelming. It is, seems maybe a little bit morbid. People don't want to go there, but like you said, it can be a very positive experience. And I think that is a very important point to kind of let our listeners know is that, you know, sometimes, you know, it's one of the things that we don't think about doing. Uh, we kind of put it off us on our list, but then when you're put in a position where you are faced with dealing with an estate, if anybody ever has, these questions come up. And if there's not a plan in place, it can be a very uncomfortable situation for those that are left around you. Because if there isn't a plan that can cause, that can cause like big rifts, that can cause, you know, arguments between people. Uh, everybody has a different view of how something should be laid out. But if you don't have that, you know, this is my wish, this is my choice this is what I said, it can become very cumbersome for those around you. So I do like the thought of like teaching people that this can be a very positive experience. We don't have to look at it as like, oh, we're thinking about death and we're thinking about 
things that are bad that are going to happen to us, but rather like how do we best prepare ourselves, which is what, again, this whole platform is about. How do we best prepare for the life events that happen that are out of our control? We could plan to live till 98 or, you know, there could be a different plan for us. So how do we best prepare for that? So do you have like uh, maybe like documents that we can focus on or like a to-do list that you could share or points that you think are valuable when we when we look at creating our plan? Every lawyer's office, when you're speaking to a lawyer, and, and I'll, I'll come back to this in a moment, because sometimes when you say lawyer, lawyer's office, the yeah. immediate response is, do I have to use a lawyer? So just hang on to that thought. You can throw that yes. back at me as, as far as the do-it-yourself uh, part in a second. But uh, every lawyer will have an information gathering form where you will list off the things, the key things that you have. It doesn't, it wouldn't be uh, all your individual uh, t-shirts or something of that nature. So it'd be the, the large things that you have, the, the liabilities that you have, the, usually the, the mortgage on the house or, or large uh, debts that you might have. And also, again, the important people around you so that the lawyer is aware of who those people are, what you have, so that if there are any uh, any complications that might come up because of the nature of the property you have or the people, their their situation, that might give reason to make extra plans, then the lawyer can uh, be aware of that and make appropriate recommendations to you. And you touched on there that uh, if there is if there is no will in place, then there's no there's no plan that you have set for that will take care of things, which puts people in a, in a difficult position, particularly if there are concerns that someone has about uh, perhaps a, um, uh, an addiction that, uh, that maybe someone has, or, or a gambling problem, or creditor problems. And that, that's, um, unfortunately, that does happen, that people mm-hmm. have those things. Or a marriage that uh, is now or may be problematic in, in future. If you have not set out in your will how it is that these people who you're caring for will receive the property, then it's somewhat up in the air, if not entirely up in the air, how they are going to receive their inheritance, when they're going to receive it, and if they are going to be able to hold on to it if you don't have it in your will already. You can't cover absolutely everything, but you can put reasonable structure in place to protect against the the common types of concerns. And even if you don't have any of those issues, even if if everything is hunky-dory, the property is really straightforward, there is a a closure aspect so that uh, when you have in a a family situation that mom died, dad unfortunately went some time before, which is usually the order of things, just Mm age-wise, but here's mom died and here we are, the children, the three or four of us. And it says that we're going to receive everything equally, which everyone kind of expected, but there's a closure aspect to that, that people will feel that, okay, there, that's what mom wants to have happen. She thought it through. She went to that extent and, and we can move past this legal stuff and grieve in the ways that we want to, that we need to uh, about mom personally and not be stuck with having to do all sorts of extra paperwork if there is no will in place. So it's uh, unfortunately, there is uh, those kinds of technical things that have to be done in this state. But, uh, but the starting point is to make sure that you've, uh, you've 
put that in place so that uh, the people after you will be uh, managing it in a reasonable way. Yeah, I think that is a great, again, great point, because it is, you know, when, again, you say the term estate planning, people think like, oh, like my taxes, I'm going to get taxed. How do I avoid probate? How do I, which we'll touch on um, later. But I think they really forget like the people aspect of it. And it does provide a closure. And I've in my tenure in the branch and dealing with people um, and hearing stories and even personal stories, it creates a lot of unnecessary tension when you're when you don't have that plan in place and you can't move past the the legalities of it and you know like you said you as much as we would love to say that everybody is like in a great point in time and nobody has any issues i think that is very few and far between like there is always some sort of issue or, or resentment or animosity or something that happens. So this can create even more of that. So I think when we look at it as from the people perspective and we look at it, like, how do I put my best foot forward and creating the best plan for my loved ones after I'm not able to make the decisions or I'm no longer here? So I think that is great. I love the fact that you can go to an estate lawyer, uh, but that there also is maybe an option to do it yourself. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that, because um, as a elder millennial, elder millennial, that hurts when I say that, I still think of myself as like 20 something, because I think in your brain, that's just where you live forever. So I'm just going to be 20 forever. Uh, but there's a lot of different avenues that I see now in comparison to when my parents went through this process. So my mom is telling me, like, go to an estate lawyer, do this, do this, do this. But I know there's lots of different avenues, such as like websites or um, one comes to mind, willful.ca. Like there's a lot of do-it-yourself kits, I would say. Is that, is that the best foot forward? Like if you think you have something straightforward, like I would love to hear your tenured thoughts on this because as somebody going through the process or should be going through the process, I will admit I have not, but this is going to be my, my push to start my estate doing. What approach is the best approach, do you think? Yeah, and I, I, uh, I would hesitate to say the best uh, approach. And, and I will acknowledge that from the earliest time when I was in practice, which goes back in the 90s until now, there have been leaps and bounds of technology that will allow for people to do things uh, such as estate planning, among other types of things that we can do, and uh, prepare wills with the assistance of technology in a much more effective way than was the case 25 or so years ago. Uh, so I, I will acknowledge that. Here's my big concern with using any of those services. I, I certainly will accept that they do have the capability of assembling the documents in the way that is, is necessary so that the documents hold together in terms of, of what will happen mm -hmm. with the property and naming the appropriate people. My concern with them is that it will allow you to execute the documents if you follow the instructions properly so that those documents when i say documents i mean a yes. will and powers of attorney okay Power, the yes. two powers of attorney for for property decision making about yourself and for personal care decision uh, making about yourself not that every one of those services does all three of those documents but there are uh, most of them do have uh, all three possibilities 
My concern about it is that if you do go ahead and follow their instructions, then you will, as promised, you will have legally binding documents. That is actually my concern, that you will have legally binding documents. You don't have the background experience. You know about you. You know all the things that you want to do, but you don't have direct legal uh, experience. And the lawyer who you hire does have that. The will is absolutely a critical, it, it, it is the foundational document for that formal estate planning execution activity, but it is not the only thing that you will do. You may very well not use your will for doing certain types of transfers to other people. You might give them something before you die. You might add them on as a joint owner on your on your house or on an investment account or, or a savings account or something of that nature. You may, uh, in fact, not use your will to transfer at all or make reference to some of those people for good reason that a lawyer can tell you why it is you don't do that. So to, to have these very well put together documents through the technology that's available that will be legally binding is helpful if you have checked all the boxes. But you don't necessarily know if you've checked all the boxes until you've got mm -hmm. somebody from the outside with some experience who can let you know that you've, uh, that you've done that. And, and, I, and I, I'm not going to run through, I'm not going to guess what the mm -hmm. expense is for, for doing this. I know what it is that I used to charge, and it, so mm -hmm. it would be more now. But I think people do get uh, scared of the idea that it might cost $1,000, let's say, for, um, for spouses to do their, their wills and their powers of attorney with a lawyer's office. Give or take, that's probably about what it is. You don't do that every single year. You'll do it periodically. And so it, it is a, a, a chunk of change to, uh, to get that done. But it, it's not a constant expense. And the other thing to balance it against is to go back to the people. You have people you want to take care of, yourself and the people who are in your family. And at, at a relatively random point in time, you're going to die. And certainly there are, are situations where people go into uh, health decline and so they, they are in a terminal condition. They know it's coming up. Probably not the best comfortable place to start into your estate planning thinking when you are already in uh, that kind of uh, a mindset, but it's, it's necessary at that point. But it's a relatively random type of thing that merges all of the past property accumulation that you've had over 10, 20, well, more than 10 years, but 20, yeah. 30, 40, 50, et cetera, years at one point in time. So the the economy that, that it may appear to do the do-it-yourself will may not actually work out that way, depending on your circumstances. I will fully acknowledge it will be just fine with a lot of people, but where it goes wrong, it can go fully wrong. <laughs> and so yeah. the cost of hiring a lawyer, it, it's just one of those things that gives you that, that, that comfort. I'm so glad you said that because... And again, nothing against like the uh, do it yourself, but it is so funny because it's like you just nailed everything in my head that was going on. So like after my third baby, I went through the process of, you know, doing an online version of it. And and you're right. Like it goes through like, you know, who who a power of attorney? Who did you want to select for this? Who are going to have your kids? Like, where are you leaving all this property? And I went through the whole process and I did not pull the trigger and check out because in my head, I just kept thinking, I'm like, 
but but do I know for sure? Like, I don't know if this is like the right course. I don't know. I, I don't have the legal background. I would never like even assume to pretend I have the legal background. Not saying that anybody that does these kits or these online things are, are wrong, but I think it goes back to your comfort level and what you feel comfortable doing. And I know in my head, like I did not it was a great point exercise for me to kind of start thinking about it and know before I go meet with an estate lawyer. But for me, like I need the, the, the check, like, okay, you know what you're doing. You can like tell me what I have right and wrong and like how I can amend this over the years, because you're right. Like at the end of the day, it is a legal document that you get and could, could very well be totally fine for you. But you can't be afraid of the cost of like what it will be because like you said, it's one time um, when I was in the branch and we used to sell insurance on a loan or a mortgage, my pitch would always be, you know, you're paying for it, but it's one of those things that you don't want to have to use. Like you, if you're using your insurance premium, it means like something has happened, critical illness, disability, or, or death. So I want to think of this as the same way. Like you're putting up the cost now, but you're doing it to like better prepare yourself for the future. You're not, it's one of those things that, you know, you have to do, but you don't want to use it right now. You want to use it when you're old and gray and like well into your 90s, not having to use it anytime soon. So it is to me worth it. And it's so funny that that's exactly what you said, because that is exactly what all my fears were when I went to go click. Okay, yep, we're good. And I stopped myself. And now I get 75 emails of them saying like, oh, you left something behind in your cart. And I just can't, I can't do it. So I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that perspective. And I think a lot of people probably actually think the same way and think, you know, oh, I can do it myself. But it is important to know that there are professionals that are out there that are there to help you and get you through the ins and outs and make sure you have all the right documents and walk you through these conversations of, are you picking this person because, you know, they're your brother, or are you picking this person because it is the best choice? for you at the time and going forward. So I think that is a very important point that when we start doing our estate or going through the process to think about these things and know what you're getting into before you you click. Okay, done. Here's my credit card information. <laughs> and I I, I I I hate the phrase, but it, it it's a it's one of those truisms that uh, that applies. You don't know what you don't know. And, and that's, that's the problem. And not only to take that one degree further, not only do you not know what you don't know, but you will never know in a lot of cases, you will never know that that was a problem because you're unfortunately going to be dead at the time when the document then gets reviewed and attempted to be executed. And, I, and again, I'm not saying it happens all the time or even a majority of the time with those services. But it just seems like it's a, um, a, a such a large risk to take on uh, on something that has such critical impact uh, <laughs> to the people around you for for them between you and them and from them to one another that if you get it wrong then it could impair their relationships with each other after you are gone because they will possibly argue for a period or perhaps for their lives about 
what it was supposed to mean and why it was that this happened in the way it did that uh, that perhaps was not the best so and and I, as well true. not to go into war stories or horror stories about yeah. it as i said I used to go and see people in their homes and I would tell you at least half of the times when I saw those people, again, generally elderly people who couldn't come to a lawyer's office, and that's why I was going to see them. Uh, I would say that more than half of the times, one of the two spouses that I'm talking to would say, yeah, I did that do-it-yourself thing years ago and I really haven't been able to sleep nights because I didn't know if it was going to do what I thought it was going to do. And, and so, it, that it gives you that level of comfort that you're dealing with a professional who does have that background and will give you the comfort level that what you are trying to do, as much as the skill can be applied to it, will in fact be carried out as much as possible the way that you want for it to be carried out. Yeah, I can. I think I completely agree with that because, like I said, in my own head, I was like, "Oh, this doesn't feel right. Like this doesn't. I can't. I can't say yes." So I'm hoping that that resonates with people that are listening today too. So, okay. So I'm going to totally switch gears here. And for those that are like aware of estate planning or have been through the process, why is everyone so afraid of probate? Can you maybe just elaborate on what probate is? Why everyone's like, no, 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 let's do this to avoid probate. Like nobody wants to pay probate. So I think I'd like to to like debunk that a little bit for our listeners and hopefully make them less afraid of that word or what it means. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to speak uh, to it from the Ontario perspective uh, specifically, mm-hmm. and because I'll give you some numbers that are associated with it. The probate is not actually the the formal term anymore in Ontario, but generically, wherever you might be, whether it's here in Ontario, across the country, or in the U.S., anywhere else, probate is is a generic term that refers to, uh, I guess, three things it refers to. It, if you have a will in place, and uh, when the person dies, then people who are dealing with the named executor in that will don't necessarily know that this document that looks really official is, in fact, the legal document that allows this purported executor, the the person who uh, executor means to uh, execute the instructions in the will. The formal term in Ontario is the estate trustee. But again, we say executor because we're just used to that word. I did not know that. So that's a good, good little lesson today. So the person named as the executor in the will will go to, let's say, the financial institution and say, hey, you got 500000 bucks in there, lovely document here. Uh, the name at the top here is the owner of that account. It's my dad. Here I am. My name appears right here. Can I have the 500000 bucks?" Well, they're not going to just turn that over to somebody coming in the door who they may never have ever seen before. But the say is, could you go probate that will? Which basically means go through the process with the court where you confirm that you, in fact, have checked in the documents of of your dad in that case, that this is the last document that was executed by him that he said what is going to happen with his estate. 
So that's what's referred to. I said there's three different ways to look at it. That is what we refer to as generically the probate process of getting the confirmation of the court. And then the document that the court gives back is a certificate that confirms that the will is uh, is in fact going to take care of the person's estate. And we call that the probated will. Historically, we used to call it the probated will. Now it's called a certificate of appointment of an estate trustee with a will. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? So there's the number two. It's just so much easier than probate the will. I see why they did that. <laughs> so it's the document that once the process is done, that, that shows that the executor can operate under this. And then the third one is the one that people get concerned about is the probate tax or the probate fee, which again is not the formal term anymore. It's called the estate administration tax. And it is uh, uh, it, it's changed over the, the decades, the exact percentage, but on the first $50,000 in Ontario of property that goes through a prince's estate, there is no probate tax. Again, I'm just using the generic term here. Yeah. Everything above 50,000, the rate is 1.5%. So it's a one and a half percent tax that applies on the property that the court has given the executor permission to act under that will to manage, to draw the property in, as in as to compel that uh, financial institution to give over that 500,000 bucks to then manage what the executor does, manage as in protect that property and then distribute the property to the people who are the beneficiaries who are named under the will. So that's what the probate uh, fee is charged for. The court confirming the legal authority of the executor to manage things. So one and a half percent. So at, at a million bucks, other than the first 50,000, that would be $14,500 of probate tax on the first million dollars. And then it would be $15,000 per million thereafter. It's it's an awful lot of cash when you think mm -hmm. about it in those terms, but it's never more than one and a half percent. And there are simple ways to get around it without complicating your world, uh, which which don't require you to do really complex things. I always say, don't let this little tax tail drive your estate planning decision making. Once you have made your decision about what you're going to do with your estate, who you're going to take care of, how you're going to distribute them, who you're going to put in that role of executor. Once you've done those things and it all hangs together, it makes sense. Then you can turn to reducing costs, which might include reducing probate tax, that one and a half percent tax. Higher priority for a lot of people is not reducing the one and a half percent probate tax, but maybe doing income tax type planning because income taxes can be 50% or more. Much bigger concern than this little one and a half percent tax. And I'm not saying that we should just give money to the Ontario government because we want to keep the courts running like crazy, but we, we just don't want to have that as our lead consideration of trying to reduce the probate tax. Have a plan that works and then reduce the costs if you can without throwing the plan out in the course of doing it. I think that is perfectly said because I think, like you said, people get so hung up on that probate tax and probate fees without even, and again, obviously not using the current terminology, but you know the other option just was so much more easier to say. But people get so hung up on that. And I think that is what 
either deters them and they throw the plan out because they're focused on that when there are ways to better prepare to either like kind of skirt around it or better set your financials up to not pay as much. And I think, again, that is why uh, when it comes to estate planning um, and any sort of wealth planning and tax planning is to meet with a professional because there are there are things that you don't know that could benefit you. And, you know, you're talking to somebody else who's going through the process and they're saying, oh, we got hit with so much taxes and, you know, don't do this. But you're better off to take advice from an advisor versus you know, just your friend down the street who went through the process and they're not telling you maybe the whole picture, right? Another part of that in terms of what the cost might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one and a half percent is is the extent of it. But the other thing that, that I come across, have come across over the decades, is that people people get a lot of their uh, their knowledge or uh, of the world through the cross-border TV whatever it is, American influence. The U.S. does have an estate tax, which is charged on the value of estate property. And it's varied over the decades, but it can be as much as 40, 40% of property. It only applies, not sure what the current number is, but it only applies if a person's estate is in excess or the amount that's in excess of something like 10 or $12 million dollars but it can get up to as high as 40%. And sometimes if someone has not yet gotten into their estate planning, they've heard on on TV shows about this this 40% estate tax and they don't realize that that is first United States, second fairly wealthy people on the high end assets and and third uh from from their perspective they don't they don't live there their own things there necessarily. And so when when other friends at a cocktail party, cocktail yeah. car party still exists, when yeah. people say, oh, you don't want to pay that probate tax, then mm-hmm. the general sentiment of, yes, I don't want to pay that probate tax, they may not be realizing that they, these other people are, are talking about perhaps this hugely large 40% that will not apply to you anyway, and then will take away from that, I must avoid probate tax, because that's what everyone else is doing. So that's what the purpose of estate planning is. It is not at all the purpose. It is a, uh, again, a secondary later consideration to reduce the probate tax if you can, and otherwise make sure that the plan actually holds together. I think I kind of mixed up all of that U.S. influence things, but I think people do have to be careful about about uh, getting an impression that is guided by uh, media, unintentionally perhaps, but the media that we absorb and uh, doesn't actually apply in personal circumstances. Yeah. It all like seems to come around taxes, which maybe that'll be like a whole other podcast that we can do. But I find it, you know, even like this is just same similar example, but not to do with estate planning, but RSPs. Um, I been doing workshops for years, years and years and years. And every kind of, I do kind of a full like scope plan when I do a workshop and it's kind of, you know, this is your financial picture. And we touch on RSPs and without fail, like without fail, every webinar workshop that I've ever attended before I approach the RSP topic, I have to be like, okay, if we could talk about RSPs, what an RSP is, don't hate me. 
and I always have somebody, they get you, they, they get you with the taxes and you know, they're not, you shouldn't do them and don't do them. And I always have to just stop and think, okay, but it's, it's other people's perspectives that you're taking in, right? So, you know, they think now everyone, oh, RSP, don't do RSPs. They're bad because they, they tax you. Yes, absolutely. They tax you. And the way I always like to explain it is, is it's a giant tax deferral. Like you are going to get taxed. Nobody ever said you were not going to get taxed, but they hear other stories and influenced by the media and they're not getting the proper information for their personal financial picture. So again, through these podcasts, we encourage our listeners to go find their banking BFF. Find find the person you trust. Find the person who has the knowledge and and go from there. And I think it, I can safely say it comes down to the same thing when it comes to estate planning and tax planning is find that person that you feel comfortable with, that you feel is giving you the knowledge that you feel you're putting your best foot forward. I think we've debunked like a lot of, a lot of misconceptions when it comes to estate planning today. Um, I think we've also like given, given people some perspective to start thinking about what they should be looking at, where they should be seeking the advice from and, you know, made them a little less afraid of that probate tax. Is there any final thoughts that you want to leave us with or things that we didn't cover today? I mean, like, honestly, Doug, like we could probably do like episode after episode on all these topics. And uh, I think it is important topics for our listeners to know and hear about. So uh, I, I don't know if there's anything absolutely huge, large, critical that uh, we haven't uh, touched on. I, I, I did mention that there are easy ways to uh, to avoid probate without throwing out your your plan that you have in place, and and I'm sure that some people thought, okay, well, what are those easy ways? And it, it, they are the things that uh, you you do beneficiary designations off of the insurance that you have, life insurance that does not fall into your estate. You do beneficiary designations off of your RSPs and your RIPs and your uh, your registered pension plans. Again, those don't fall into your estate; they go directly to the people who you want to take care of, and uh, and and you you don't have to have everything go formally through your estate. You can give things to people during the course of your lifetime, which again, in my broad view of, of estate planning, that is estate planning. It's not always uh, after you die. You you do need to to think about uh, about again taking care of yourself, making sure you don't give away things that you need to live on yourself. But uh, but how it is that you're you're going to transfer on not just the property, but your life experience and your values to the people around you, and uh, and and not be overly driven by those other considerations of of small taxes or big taxes, but being aware that those things can affect your ability to transfer your estate. Absolutely. I think that is all great points. It reminded me of my point my mom says, um, which I guess this is part of her estate planning, is that I'm spending it all on you guys, like myself and my brothers now. Uh, so nobody has anything when I die. <laughs> so which honestly, in my own personal perspective, like I don't want to be left with like mounds of money. I'd rather have like experiences with my parents and our family and doing things. So 
she she jokes about it, but we do things to experience life together. And that is like the memories that will carry forward. So thank you, Doug, so much for being part of today's shows. Uh, Doug has some great articles that we're going to link in the show notes that you can go and read more about it. If you also want to learn more with Doug, we are hosting, Tandia is hosting a webinar with him this coming week, uh, Wednesday, May 18th. And there will be a link to register in the show notes. It's going to go more um, in depth or maybe just even a recap for you after listening to this into estate planning. Now, we don't want you to, you know, talking about this, overly focus on the mortality part of estate planning. We do want you to still save tonight and fight the break of dawn. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. It's a 1998 classic. Did you really think I was going to leave you without a song today? Uh, ultimately, we believe in the power of financial literacy. How by having an understanding of your whole financial picture, like estate planning, helps to empower you to make better financial decisions and have a positive relationship with money. We want you to recognize your worth and help you to enjoy life to its fullest and have the experiences you've always wanted to do while still knowing you can take care of your loved ones. We want you to save tonight, savor tonight. We are here for you. We encourage you to get in touch at any time, whether it's with a question about our business or a comment on how we might be able to answer a burning financial question. After all, at Tandia, your voice is the most important one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, Doug, for coming on today. We hope you have found value through this podcast. We are on all the social channels. So snap a photo of this pod, tag us and share us on your channels so we can help get the word out. Don't forget, you can always also connect with us at Tandia.com. Catch you soon. Thanks for tuning in. I don't know about you, but I feel smarter already. Remember, Tandia is here to help. If you found this podcast helpful, please let us know. Got feedback? Want to learn more? Just head to Tandia.com. Tandia, as unique as you. Thank you.